Hey, look at you! Florist by day, student by night, student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hey, hey, before we dive into this episode, I want to make sure that I tell you about something really special that's happening next week. So if you've been around for a little while, you may be familiar with my company, Soul Scripts. If you're newer or have no idea what I'm talking about, I have a company called Soul Scripts, and our mission statement is we give you the words when you have none. The idea behind this is when a friend or a sister or a loved one in our life walks through something hard or challenging or even traumatic and tragic, sometimes it can be really hard to know what to say, how to support them, how to comfort them without saying the wrong thing or something that may cause more harm than good. And so we have an infamous phrase that says, your brokenness is welcome here. For years, we've put that on crewnecks and other um, different products, but our crewnecks have always been kind of our signature item and our most popular item. And so back in the day, a few years back, um, back in the day, I sound like I'm talking about my childhood and I'm 90, but <laughs> several years ago, we had an original signature crew neck. It was kind of a vintage wash with a very simple uh, design across the front. Everyone loved that. We closed down Soul Scripts for about a year reopened it last fall, and we've been doing pop-up shops with different uh, collections since then. Well, we've had a lot of requests for something that would be available a little bit more regularly, although we will still have our pop-up shops. And so we decided to answer that request by creating a shirt of the year. So 2021 has a very special shirt of the year that is rolling out next week, February 23rd at 8 p.m. So mark your calendar. Um, and we have a limited supply in stock just because of the way uh, things are in the world right now. There's only so many we can produce at once. And so we're going to open the doors to shop that signature shirt. And if you're familiar with the original shirt, I tend to just, I tend to describe it as, um, the original shirt grew up and it's the refined, more minimal version. So we stuck with that vintage wash uh, feel that our original crews used to have, but we updated the design so that it's still clear and simple like it used to be, but feels a little more mature, a little more refined. It's like that, that old shirt grew up and it's now that, you know, more refined and mature version. So all that said, mark your calendar. If this is something you want to get your hands on either for yourself or to be able to gift a friend who may be walking through a hard time or just going through a difficult season or both, mark your calendar, February 23rd, 8 PM. The doors are going to open. We anticipate that we'll sell out. We tend to sell out these uh, special crews that we've always had. Um, so we will eventually restock, but we don't know how quickly we can do that. So if you want to get your hands on this, mark your calendar for 8 p.m. on February 23rd. All right, let's get into this episode. Hey there. In this episode, I am having a conversation with the one and only Jamie Grace. Jamie is a two-time 
Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, and actress. Diagnosed with Tourette's Syndrome, OCD, ADHD, and anxiety at a young age, Jamie actively advocates for joy, wellness, and mental health through the lens of music, film, and faith. An entertainer at heart, she regularly creates fresh content, including new music and weekly videos and episodes of the Jamie Grace podcast. And she is such a joy to talk to. We had a great conversation about mental health and finding quiet in the noise and really what that can look like in a very practical way, especially if you're someone who has a hard time or you're very, very much a busy body and have a lot going on and have a hard time just sitting in the stillness um, and finding that space and that margin. We talk not only about mental health, but what it looks like to create margin and quiet the noise a little bit so that we can get back to the most important things and get back down to why are we doing the things we're doing and are we doing the right things and reevaluate that from a healthy place. And we also um, touch on ways to support someone through mental health illness. So if you are a friend or a spouse or a parent or a sister to someone going through or walking through grief or anxiety or depression or anything like that, Jamie offers some really helpful steps and tips as well when it comes to being a supporter. So it's a very holistic episode on this topic, and I think it is going to bless your life. So I won't make you wait any longer. Let's jump right into it. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Jamie, welcome to She. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. I'm excited to uh, finally talk to you. I think you know my older sister. Oh, um, yes. And <laughs> so I've heard like so many great things about you. So I was like, oh, I know Jordan is. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is so sweet. She's such a gem. And I know you are as well. I've really been looking forward to getting to chat with you and just have this conversation and for all that you have to share. And Gosh, I think it's going to be so good. And this is a topic we get asked about a lot. And so I would love if maybe we can begin and just start off with having you share a little bit of your background and your journey when it comes to struggling with mental health. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I When I was 11, I was diagnosed with Tourette syndrome, OCD, uh, ADHD, and anxiety. And Tourette syndrome, if people aren't familiar, it's a neurobiological condition that's characterized by tics. So movements and sounds that can't be controlled. And that was the primary focus of not only my diagnosis, but just my journey as a whole growing up because my tics were so prevalent and uncontrollable. I always feel like it's really obvious when people hear me speak, when people often say they have no idea what's going on, but like I make like weird little pauses and like little subtle coughs and things like that when I'm speaking. I'm, I just turned 29. And so, you know, typically after puberty, which I am quite a bit past that, um, you know, it kind of settles down and things like that. And I've also just kind of learned how to manage it into my everyday life. But at the age of 11, it was so severe with just arm ticks every 10 to 15 seconds and leg ticks and coughing sounds and hitting my chest and hitting my head with my fist and things like that. Every 10, 15, some ticks, 30 to 45 seconds. So I had a little bit more of a break, but um, it was so severe that walking was a challenge. Talking was a challenge. Anything I loved, reading, hanging out with friends, all those things were very much a challenge. And uh, I, I didn't really understand 
the weight of something like a conversation even centered around mental health or like the phrase mental health, probably until college, because my tics were so severe that, I mean, most of my childhood was just spent like, hey, I'd like to go hang out with my friends at Walmart because that's what you do in Georgia. Like, I'd like to go hang out at Walmart <laughs> without knocking everything off the shelf. You know, like, so that was the the main kind of focal point of what was going on. But yeah, I mean, as I've gotten older, like my anxiety is something that I do battle every day. And my OCD and my ADHD, and, and like I said, some of the ticks as well still. And so it's it's a challenge for sure. And it's one of those things that sounds so cliche. I mean, it, but it's such a day-by-day process of just like, okay, I'm going to wake up. I don't really feel it today. I really feel it today. How am I going to handle this? What do I need? What can I do? And that's just kind of the mindset I have to have. Thank you for being so honest and open about that. Um, I'm sure that's not easy to share, but we really appreciate your honesty. And I'm just curious if you ever find yourself angry or upset that you are diagnosed with a mental illness. And if so, how did you handle that? Oh, most definitely. I mean, I think the most recent time was last night. Um, (laughs) I relate to that. (laughs) Right, exactly. It's like, oh, uh, have I ever felt angry? Yeah, what was it, 8 p.m.? <laughs> 8.30? Um, it's 8.35 right now. Um, no, I, I, I definitely, I mean, I, I went through much heavier bouts of this growing up, especially just trying to learn how to live with it, right? Every new season tends to, any kind of change tends to bring about a new kind of list of frustrations, if that makes sense. You know, I remember I was, my husband and I were talking about something a couple of days ago, and... I just, I was finding myself getting frustrated with him. And just as we were like talking it out, I was, I started processing like, wait, my anxiety is frustrated. I'm not frustrated mm-hmm. with him at all. Like it was, I, I had to stop for a moment and I just broke down crying. And that's not, that's not like a tip for wives to be like, guys, if you realize it's your fault, just start crying <laughs> and everything's going to work out. Like, <laughs> I mean, wouldn't it be nice if it were that <laughs> easy though? <laughs> Oh my gosh, girl. <laughs> it's so tempting. It's so tempting. I'm like, look, I can make these tears fall in a minute. Uh, but don't do it. Don't do it. Um, on purpose, at least. But but in that moment, like, I, I remember telling my husband, I, just, I looked at him, I was like, I just want to be like everybody else. Like, mm-hmm. it would be so much easier right now. I'm not saying that marriage is easy for anybody. But to realize, to realize consciously that, like, it's my anxiety that's causing these issues. It's my overthinking that I cannot control that's causing these issues. It really frustrated me. And so, so that was difficult. But, but again, like, now I know how to acknowledge it. Now I know how to talk through it. I know how to, you know, not make poor choices as a result of the things that I can't control. But especially growing up, I mean, I, I'd say, you know, middle school to my early 20s, and that's a long span of time. But those 10 to 12 years were probably the hardest because I just, I wanted to cure, you know, I wanted so badly to be like everyone else. Um, now I, I have moments where I want to be like everybody else. But then at the same time, I'm like, nah, just kidding. But especially before it was just feeling so different and feeling so overwhelmed, just feeling so physically and emotionally tired. I still have those feelings, but now I'm just learning how to embrace them. It's like, hey, I'm different and I can use these quirks, I can use these things to my advantage and I'm not going to just allow them to be the thing that defeats me. I love how you said that I'm different and I can use these things to my advantage instead of allowing them to be the thing that defeats me. I think that's just a word for all of us. And I even think it applies outside of just mental health, right? Like 
I think it goes beyond just that kind of quirk. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think, you know, it's like whatever your differences are, whatever it is that makes you different, you can look at that as, oh, this is the thing that makes me weird or isolated or can defeat me. Or you can look at it as, you know, wow, this is something I could use to my advantage or this is truly kind of like, I don't know, like my superpower, you know? No, most definitely. I mean, I like to bring up, <laughs> I, I probably bring up like Zoe Deschanel like too much in just like everyday conversation. But I remember when the show New Girl first came out, like mm. whether you liked New Girl or not, I feel like there were probably 98% of my peers were just like trying to be the new girl. You know what I mean? Like everybody's like, oh, I'm quirky. Like, oh, I fall <laughs> over. I wear glasses. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. everybody's like, like, let me, like, let me do the thing. Like, look at my bangs. Like, it's like, mm. and again, like I, I stand here, <laughs> but like, bro, I stand here as someone that is like, I am like, I am quirky. I do wear glasses. Mm. I run into things all the time. I have bangs <laughs> one time. It's like what TV says it's cool. It's right. Cool. But I, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I feel like a lot of us, saw that kind of character and we were like, okay, what's the thing about me that mm-hmm. makes me different? You know, like what's my, like how, what's my hot take? Like what's yeah. my thing that's like, you guys won't believe it, but I don't love being out. You know, it's like, <laughs> what's my, what's my thing? Let me mm-hmm. build my brand. And I feel like so mm-hmm. often, like we try to create and develop these things about us that make us different. And then we all just end up looking the same. So mm-hmm. it's like, exactly what you just said, bro, look internally, like, what is the thing that's already making you different, Mm. that you don't have to fabricate or write in a script? What's the thing that's already there? Like, use that, you know, that, like, that, that is the core of who you are, that thing you keep trying to hide, like, that is who you are. Mm. That thing you keep trying to hide, that is who you are. Can we just, like, pin that on a (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt? Okay, I want to pivot here for a second because in your book, you talk about the noise of feelings and how you only love them when it's okay for you to feel them. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, you know, um, I mean, I've just, I've always had a weird relationship with feelings. I think at this current season of my life, well, I know rather that I am at my healthiest point as far as my relationship with feelings. So that makes me really happy. But Mm -hmm. I've always just had this weird relationship with feelings. And especially in my adulthood, it was almost like, if the feeling wasn't able to be justified, then it wasn't okay. Or like if someone would apologize for hurting me, then I have to feel better all of a sudden. Or, you know, if something that I, I don't know, I just, I would just always get so overwhelmed with my feelings and just always feel like it was my job to just keep everybody happy and just like Mm -hmm. not rock the boat or anything like that. And I've, as the, the more and more that I've learned that like my feelings don't define me, the better I am at embracing whatever those feelings are, right? So it's like before it'd be like, if I'm just going to use like one of my best friends, for example, or I'll use my sister Morgan, like, mm-hmm. you know, my claim to fame, mm-hmm. Morgan Harper Nichols, the super cool poet, you know, if, if she like, if she's like getting on my nerves <laughs> because mm-hmm. she's my sister and that's what we're supposed to do. Like it's literally like in the Bible, it's mm-hmm. not that, but like if, if she's getting on my nerves and I feel annoyed by her, I would genuinely start to like, then start to feel guilty about mm-hmm. the fact that I feel annoyed mm-hmm. because I'm like, well, that's not kind and that's mm-hmm. not Christ-like and that's not respectful. And I love my sister and she might be going through a hard time and I shouldn't be treating her this way. And it's like, no, I can feel annoyed by someone and still love them and and still care about them 
And I can choose not to make a poor choice based on those feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, it's different if I'm saying I feel annoyed by her, I'm going to go punch her in the face. Mm-hmm. Or I feel annoyed by her, I'm going to spread rumors about her. Or I feel annoyed by her, I'm going to gossip about her in a group text to somebody else. Like, mm-hmm. that's different, making those actions based on those feelings. Mm-hmm. But when you take those feelings and and you just allow yourself to feel them and think through them and process them and journal them and cry through them, you can get to the root of them and start moving toward you know, a healthier place. And so I, I didn't always do that with my feelings. Ironically, she's the one that has helped me through that. But yeah, I, I've had a weird relationship with feelings for a long time, but we're, we're getting better. I should also say that I'm an Enneagram seven for anybody that's interested. That might be very obvious. <laughs> I'm a three, so I can do the same thing just as an achiever. Yes, I married a three. Oh, so then girl, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but what's weird about me as like a three, but also an external processor is like the three in me, at least how I understand it is I can be really self-conscious and really care that, you know, about what people think. And I don't want to share certain things um, Mm -hmm. because I don't want it to come across like I look weak or unconfident, insecure, whatever the word is. Um, But, you know, there's that piece, but then there's this other part of my brain that battles because I write out my feelings. And so, the like external processor side of my brain and then the like, hey, don't share too much side of my brain are, I feel like they're constantly like in conflict with each other. Right. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, get it together. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, okay. So I love what you shared there though about feelings and how there's a difference between, you know, validating and processing and working through feelings and acknowledging them without acting necessarily on them, right? Like without necessarily allowing that to lead to misbehavior or to actions that we would later regret. And I think that's where, I mean, this is my understanding, but I think that's where a lot of confusion can come from around feelings where sometimes I think we have this direct correlation of like, if you allow yourself to feel it, that's going to like directly lead to a misbehavior or miscommunication if you don't have the right tools to process it um, or the right support to process through those feelings in a healthy way. And so, you know, for me personally, that's, you know, a small group, a small support system, like a mom, my mom, my mentor, my husband, and also even a therapist that's helped me even work through things that are happening in my brain, or why am I reacting to the things that I am, or why is this feeling coming up, and what's underneath it, and where is it originating, and all of that. So I 100% agree with you. I think it's so healthy. Um, another question I have is, you know, whether we're dealing with mental health issues or a different a different health diagnosis, or just walking through a difficult time, it's really easy to feel alone. What role does community play in those difficult moments? And how do we get vulnerable enough or brave enough to ask for the help that we need? Yeah, definitely. I speak a lot and I never really intended to like speak to like a a culture of self-care, if you will. That's not even necessarily something that I think was in my vocabulary until recently. But I think I've kind of like inadvertently spoken to that, to that world and that culture. And I think a significant part of having a care plan, which is a phrase coming from the medical world that I'm a little bit more familiar with. It's like, you know, you get diagnosed with the flu, they give you like a pamphlet of a care plan. Something that's really part of your self-care or your care plan is community. It's crucial. Sometimes that's one-on-one, you know, I've mentioned my sister already. I've mentioned my husband and those are my, I, I call them my first friend and my best friend. Like they are, they are both, you know, my husband's my number one and my sister's the first mm-hmm. friend I ever had. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is a one-on-one conversation of like, 
asking for help and having those conversations. Also, you mentioned therapy. I'm very pro-therapy. I'm like really pumped about it because my therapist took Thanksgiving week off. I get it, you know, have boundaries, but wow, will she get a lot of conversation this week? I am ready. Like, I have so many things. I'm like, girl, it's been 14 days since we've talked. I hope you're ready for this. Um, get your notepad. But um, so I'm, I'm very much a pro-therapy. Also, just having like that community of people, you know, that you can talk to, you know, mm-hmm. making sure that you're not exclusively dependent on a one-on-one context Mm -hmm. for for conversation and for healing Mm -hmm. um and then you were saying about the bravery and the boldness to be able to speak up Mm -hmm. i think our feelings are a huge proponent in that because a lot of times you're going to have to push past those feelings of awkwardness Mm -hmm. push past that feeling of humiliation or or that feeling of pride whatever it might be you have to push past those feelings to send that text message to make that phone call to send that dm that says hey you said that if I ever needed anything, I could reach out. Mm-hmm. I want to let you know that I'm feeling really anxious and it'd be great to have a phone call sometime soon. That can feel embarrassing. Mm-hmm. That can feel challenging, right? And it might be challenging, mm-hmm. but we have to do it. You have to take that step. Sometimes it's hard when we're talking about mental health. Yeah. Because like if we're dealing with like, uh, physical trauma from say an accident and there's like a wound and there's blood then it's like okay I'm not really sure how many people would be like I'll be fine I'll be fine mm-hmm, I'll be fine mm-hmm. like I'm not really sure how many people would be like that mm-hmm. but we have to take our mental health just as seriously so when you're wounded when you're having those difficult times you got to be able to push past those feelings I'm not saying don't have those feelings mm-hmm. but I'm just saying to allow them to feel you feel you like F-U-E-L, feel you into being able to reach out and ask for help. Mm. It's difficult. I, you know, I get it. And, you know, I have one friend that I, that I like to, I like to mention because our relationship has just been very crucial to my healing and very specifically speaking to our postpartum depression. My daughter is about a year and a half and her name's Lydia. And we used to live 20 minutes away from each other. And Lydia is the only friend in my life. And the, the, one, because God just put her in my life for a reason. Um, but two, because we live 20 minutes away from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the only friend that was allowed to literally call my husband and be like, yo, how's Jamie's postpartum depression and mm-hmm. do I need to come over there? And what what would you do? Like, she would just come over and just sit with me and we would just watch like really random TV shows. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we would talk about how I was feeling. And sometimes we would just hang out on the couch and Sometimes she would bring me food and make me eat it. And what you know, not five, 10, 15 people don't need that access mm-hmm. into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but what someone does, maybe it's two or three. You know, of course, if my husband needs to do that, you know, he, he can be there as well. But the, when we're talking about mental health and when we're talking about actual mental health diagnosis and symptoms, we're not talking about, oh, I feel stressed out. We're talking about sometimes for days at a time, there are many people with mental health issues that are not able to eat that are not able to drink water, not able to get up and go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And you have to have those people in your circle that maybe they have to have a key. Maybe they need to come live with you a month out of the year, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Be intentional about that community support. Mm-hmm. We weren't meant to live this life alone. Yeah. And we cannot act like it when we're wounded, especially yeah. not when we're wounded. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. 
With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, a luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. <laughs> Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. This brings up another question for me, just because I know we probably have a lot of people who are listening who may not find themselves in the position of having, you know, a mental health illness or challenge in their own life right now. But I know that a lot of people are touched by it or are in the supporter role. Yeah. And so I would love if maybe you could share a little bit of, you know, what does it look like? Like when someone's struggling with mental health or has a family member who specifically is a family member of someone who is struggling with mental health or a friend of someone who is, from your perspective, what are a couple of things that the loved ones can do to support the people in their life who are struggling? Or maybe, I know you shared a little bit about your friend Lydia. I think that's a great example. So maybe if we could just dig into what were some of the most helpful things that someone's done for you in the middle of the struggle? and what initial steps could be really helpful if we find ourselves in that, you know, that support 
or supporter role. Right, right. I mean, you know, if we're speaking, you know, especially to like anxiety and maybe depression, postpartum depression, a lot of times this, these things are going to come and go in waves, right? There were times when I, when my postpartum depression was very, very severe. And by the grace of, of God and therapy and my family and medication, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm able to live a relatively normal life right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm back at work and all these things. So if you are able to communicate with your loved one or your friend when they are in a healthy state and develop a care plan with them, that is one of the best things. That is one of the most beneficial things. I'm not saying that it can't be done any other way, but a lot of times, you know, we'll wait until it's like, like a lot of times, like say if someone um, spent some time in a residential facility for mental health, right. Mm -hmm. Then it might be like, Oh, great. They're better. Or if they, you know, just start seeing a new therapist and they start to feel emotionally uplifted, you know, they start to feel better. It can, it can seem like, Oh, great. Okay, cool. Well, glad you're doing that. But that is the prime time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is the prime time to start talking about what does a care plan look like? That was a conversation. It was a challenging conversation. Actually, it was more challenging for me than it was for my husband because my husband was very much like, yeah, let's, you know, what do we got to do? But when Aaron and I were engaged, he was like, okay, well, what does it look like if this happens? Well, what does it look like if you mm. feel like you can't get out of bed? And I was looking at him like, that's none of your business. Mm. I'm in a great mood right now. Mm. But I had to choose to be like, you know what? Let's be real. I know that these things happen and mm. he needs to know what to be able to do. So if you can talk to them when they are in a healthy state of mind, I recommend front porches. I recommend daylight. I recommend mm. nice weather get a blanket. I know it might seem really random, but these mm. things help mm. have your you know, favorite coffee right there, your favorite snack. Mm. Be intentional about setting a healthy environment so that you guys can have a healthy conversation about mm. what to do when A, B, and C happens. Mm. Yeah. And then if you're not able to have that conversation, you know, when they're in an unhealthy place, I think sometimes I, I just can only really think of like just the physical sitting near someone and just saying, mm. what can I do right now? Mm. And if they don't know the answer, then don't keep pushing them. You know, maybe just sit there at the foot of the bed for 30 minutes. And um, if they want you to leave out of the room, then maybe leave for 30 minutes and then, you know, get some water and, and come back. You know, it, you really have to kind of take these things step by step. And, and I should also say, that, like, I'm really speaking to the context of like someone maybe at the end of an episode or the beginning of an episode, say like depression, you know what I mean? Or like postpartum depression when you feel like you can't get out of the bed and things like that. Another thing too is like, and this is the last thing I'll say, but um, I like to make over-exaggerated to-do lists. Mm. Um, and it's just been something that I really like to do. My husband is really uh, great at helping me do this. We'll just like make a crazy long list of like, what do you want to do today? And mm. it'll be like, I want to wake up, then I want to brush my teeth, and then I want to send 30 emails, and then I want to watch two movies on Netflix. Like we'll make a really long list and then we'll go down that same list and be like, okay, let's pick three that we definitely will do. Mm. And that can be really helpful because then, I mean, that could get, you know, the person to be like, okay, well, I'll definitely, <laughs> I'll definitely brush my teeth and eat and drink water, but I, but I won't shower. <laughs> Showering is going to be tomorrow. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. It's it's just, it's just being practical about like, look, make this irrational, insane list of things you want to do. Mm. And like, then we're going to go through and pick three that we know we can do. And tomorrow we'll pick three more. 
That's really good. I know you have a pretty busy life too, you know, one that's full of noise through songwriting, going on tour, writing, being a mom to a one-year-old. It's a lot. And I'm just curious, you know, you wrote a book about this topic. And so I kind of want to dig into this idea of finding quiet. How do you find the time and create boundaries you need to embrace quiet quiet moments in the midst of all that and be able to steward your own your own health well. You know what I mean? Like how, what does that look like? And could you maybe give us a little peek into that? I mean, that's such a great question. You know, in, in the book, I talk about my, my lovely mom and I talk about this really great and healthy practice that she's able to do where she literally goes and finds quiet. Hmm. You know, she'll just be like, let's turn off the radio. Like, let's just turn off anything and just like sit in the quiet. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I wish like Morgan's like that too. Like they, my whole family, they are way cooler than me. Um, and I just, I wish, I, I wish that I had the discipline to just like, be like, yeah, I'm just going to like vibe and make the quiet. <laughs> me too, girl. <laughs> yeah, like, like I'll do it. I do it sometimes, but like, man, bruh, like I'm about to use my, my health as a crutch. But, like my ADHD <laughs> is just like, sucker, we are not doing this. Um, I, so I, I think, know. I honestly, I'm like, do I have, I don't know. Yeah. I, I cannot stay. I, I have always like a list of things I need to do or Dude. ideas in my head of I cannot just sit there and be like I'll be all still. the time and I use this as an example all the time of like especially well this isn't just a wife thing like you know you can be sitting in the room with your friend or your boyfriend your spouse whatever and they don't say something for five minutes like I automatically think it's I, I'm like oh man we're gonna get a divorce and and that's not me like trying to like make light of divorce like I'm being honest about the way that my brain overthinks in the quiet mm. I'll literally just be like oh he's so mad at me because he hasn't talked to me in five minutes. Like, it's so mm-hmm. quiet in here. And then I'll be like, babe, what's on your mind? And he's like, oh, I was thinking about Tom Brady. I'm like, okay. Um, anyways, so. <laughs> I also I, love and appreciate that that's how you do your husband's voice. Like, take it eight octaves lower. That's exactly what I do. Oh, my gosh. He he hates, like, <laughs> he's, my husband is, like, six foot three. Yep. So it's mine. <laughs> my husband is like big old, like former athlete, yep. black St. Louis man. He <laughs> hates the voice that I do. He's like, why do I sound like that? I'm like, that's your voice. So <laughs> I do the same thing. That's <laughs> like, why do you make me sound like oh that? My God. That's not how but, I talk. <laughs> dude, does he impersonate right. your voice too, though? Like, does he ever like make it really high pitched? Like, oh, hello. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. My husband can do my voice perfectly. It's sometimes oh, wow. it makes me so uncomfortable. He is... <laughs> He's going to get so mad if he finds out this is out there. My husband is literally probably could be on like SNL. He's so good at impersonation. Wait, like, so is Matt. That's crazy. Oh. They would be friends. <laughs> I'm sure they'd probably have so much fun doing that. Yes. I'm just like, like, seriously, like, and like, and this is not political at all, but like his Trump and his Biden are both <laughs> so good. And so like during the debates, I was just, I would turn the debate off and then he would just continue the debate by himself. I'm like, oh, I can't do my this. Gosh. This is annoying. I don't want to hear either of them. Just cut it off. <laughs> Except probably um, some like needed humor in a thing that right. <laughs> was like exactly, painful for exactly. many people. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so like my, my family has this great, beautiful habit of the absence of noise mm. and that is really healthy. I do. That is yeah. a practice that I'm actively working on. That's why I named the book about my journey because that's a practice mm. I'm actively working on. Mm. But something that we also have to make sure that we're mindful of, and, and this just is speaking directly to your question mm. is that we're not, adding unnecessary noise Mm. to the noise that we already have in our lives. Sometimes our kid is screaming all through the house just Mm -hmm. for fun. She's not upset, but just for fun. 
And Mm -hmm. we do tell her to be quiet because we're like, no, like I said, even we're watching the debates because I think it's important to watch. But sometimes like we can't actually turn off the fact that we did have an election this year. Mm -hmm. Like we can't always shut out that noise. And Mm -hmm. so what I have to make sure that I do one of my terrible habits, I love the app TikTok. I think it's a great app, but a really bad habit that I have is just using that as a form of escape and using that as, okay, my kids making a lot of noise or the TV's really loud or the news is stressing me out. My friendships are stressing me out. So I'm going to just go swipe mindlessly through Instagram mm-hmm. and through TikTok and through social media. I'm going to just tweet this stuff because I'm angry. I'm going to post this review online just to you know, share my frustration with this restaurant. Mm-hmm. Again, not saying that these apps are bad, not saying that leaving reviews are bad, but when we're using them out of frustration of the noise around us. And when Mm -hmm. we're using them as a way to detach Mm -hmm. from the noise that is feeding us Mm -hmm. against our control, we are doing nothing more than just adding noise that doesn't need to be there. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to continually practice, uh, make it more of a, uh, more of a habit, Mm -hmm. um, a daily practice of waking up and not thinking, oh, the news is stressing me out, so let me just get on social media. Mm -hmm. But instead saying, you know what, God, let me just step into this space where I'm not asking anybody to fill me up but you. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to change the people around me. I'm not trying to complain about the culture around me. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be mad about this, to be overly passionate about this. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to work on me Mm -hmm. from the inside out. I'm trying to find peace and stillness within my own self and mm-hmm. find security within my own self. And again, that's a da- that's a daily practice for me. Like I'm way better at it some days than others. Some days I'm just like, now nah, I'm gonna just detach with this podcast. But other <laughs> other days, which sometimes you have to. Like sometimes you're like, you know, like you have to go like pick up your kid from school, or you have to go like, you know, do a job interview. Like you don't have time to sit with all your feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. sometimes you do need to do that. And that I think is something that we should try to do daily. For at least a few minutes, mm-hmm. no added noise, mm-hmm. just taking a moment to see where am I, who am I, where am I headed, and, and who am I trying to be? Mm-hmm. That's so good. That's so true. And so much easier said than done, <laughs> um, especially for you know somebody who has a lot going on, but you're right. And I think there's so much power in taking like a micro pause. Right. And, you know, I think sometimes, I don't know if you're like this, but I think sometimes we can set these big audacious goals of things we want to do. Like, okay, I want to have an hour of quiet time every morning. And then we try that and then it feels unrealistic or unattainable or we fail at it after two days. And so we just throw in the towel altogether rather than maybe considering ways that maybe we could start small. Because I think the single most important question after, especially after going through loss this year and just being faced with things that have kind of laid me on my back and made me stop and like reevaluate these consistent, um, just mm-hmm. these, these different pauses, I guess, you know, and these are going through right. a big pause and being challenged to reevaluate like, well, why am I doing the things that I'm doing to begin with? Whether it's distracting myself with something like, what am I trying to escape or just staying like just so overwhelmed and overcommitted, um, you know, I think sometimes there's certain seasons of life that 
challenge us, whether it's mental illness or going through grief or all of the above that just make us stop really, even if we weren't intending to or wanting to and kind of reevaluate like, why am I taking on the things that I'm taking on? And should I be doing those things? Um, Right. And so anyways, I've just kind of like going back to what I was saying, you know, I think this idea of, you know, I want to create white space in my life, but then we can just, I think, overcommit ourselves to that and be like, okay, I needed to have an hour of quiet time every morning rather than saying, okay, how could I start small and how could I maybe focus on two minutes or, you know, just make it attainable rather than trying to do it all at once and then being like, well, great, that totally failed. So therefore I can never be quiet, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, I've just tried to look at it through the lens of how can I get myself to a place of regular reevaluation, which quiet time is really required for, you know, otherwise we're just distracted and never able to really pause and ask those single most important questions of why and where am I going and everything that you mentioned, Um And so, yeah, I think just starting really small and keeping it something that you can then build on two, two minutes can turn into three minutes, three minutes can eventually turn into four minutes and it can be something that you really grow into, at least that's what I'm thinking. Oh yeah, most So I don't know, am I crazy or does that make sense? (laughs) (laughs) No, I I totally agree with you. I mean, that's that's so practical, you know, again, when we talk about self-care, you know, a lot of times it's like, okay, you got to make sure that you're like, and even not even like self-care, but just like hygiene in general, it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, you got to make sure that your skin is great, but like, don't you dare buy skin products from the drugstore. You got to buy like $90, you know, face scrubbing stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then you got to make sure that your nails are great and you got to make sure, Mm -hmm. you know, like the rest of your skin, not just your face, you know, you got to buy really nice Mm -hmm. body lotion and, oh, you're not wearing perfume. No, I do oils. Oh, but you don't do those kinds of oils. You do this quality Mm -hmm. oils. Uh, You don't buy your oils from the store. Mm -hmm. It's like, we think like right away, like you got to go through this whole list of how to make everything perfect and grand and magical. Mm -hmm. And it's like, or how about get up, splash some water on your face. Did that Mm -hmm. feel good? Yeah, do that. Do that for a couple of weeks and and then see where you are. Mm -hmm. And you you know, your budget, your budget will thank you. And your your self-confidence will as well. Yeah. No, it's true. So good. I'd want to pivot here a little bit and just ask about, you just kind of touched on like this pressure to be perfect and get it all together. Um, and I think this really relates to the next question I wanted to ask, which is I think a lot of us who have been able to take something we love and f- make a living out of it or make some sort of career out of it, whether it's music or... Man or writing or some kind of business or whatever, we can kind of get to the point where it feels like we're no longer doing it out of joy anymore, but instead we're doing it because we have to for work. Like our joy becomes our obligation. And so, I don't know, even in our personal life, I think it can feel like everything we do or every photo that yeah. that we take um, has to be made into a picture-perfect moment that we can share on social media. And so I'm curious if you've ever experienced that and what steps you've had to take to move back into a place of joy when it comes to your work and what you do and your calling and vocation while taking time for quiet. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, I've definitely experienced that before. And I have a few different things that I've done just in my personal life to make sure that I really stay connected with the intention of, of it all. And, you know, why I do what I do. Um, I talk a bit about like uh, about like burnout in the in the book, just because like I, I mean technically like I was a teen star, you know, mm-hmm. and so and then that teen stardom, if you will, <laughs> just kind of carried into like my early twenties, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I did definitely experience that like whoa 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 like I'm just trying to make people happy here. What do you mm-hmm. mean? I, what do you mean I can't do that? Mm-hmm. You know, like what what do you mean everything's got to be marketable? You know, um, one thing that. Uh, it always kind of like cracks my friends up when they when they realize this. But 
so I make music, you know, and, and my vocal booth. So all, all my music is at home now. That's like one of the, the biggest changes of like not being a teen star. I was like, I produce fund everything from my, from my house. And so I have a vocal booth that's a closet. And if you walk in there, you know, you would think that it would look like a, a recording studio. Mm-hmm. Um, it does not. There are <laughs> printed out pictures from the television show, uh, show Zoom. Mm. There are like posters of like Zoe Girl and Plus One on the walls. <laughs> and there's like polka dot blankets. And it, it looks like a 14-year-old's vocal booth. Um, <laughs> I love this. And the reason why I have it like that is because every time I step into there, I want it to literally look and feel like it did when I first started all mm. of this. I want to have that reminder of why I do what I do. There was a There was a time where I had, you know, my accolades hanging up in my studio, like, awards or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's not that there's anything wrong with having Mm -hmm. those up. Like that's Mm -hmm. actually a really cool thing, but they're not up right now because I just got tired of looking at them Mm -hmm. because every time I looked at them, all I could think about was, oh man, I haven't had one in like seven years. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just, I was tired of that mindset. I wanted to really, every time I step into work, I want to make sure that I'm doing it for the right reasons. So yeah, I think there's a couple of things with that. It's just like, what can you do in your physical workspace that reminds you of who you are and that reminds you of where you started? You know, is it, I don't know, a, a key that looks like the key to your first apartment? Is mm-hmm. it, you know, like, I, I think it's really cool. Like when you go into like local restaurants and they have like that first dollar up on the wall, it's like the first dollar, you know, that they ever made. I think that's so cool. It's like, mm-hmm. it reminds them of who they are. And, and, and where they started, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I also think too, it's, it's sometimes the reminder is of just like, like all of us are created to do something that's like purpose driven, you know? And also all of us are going to likely have jobs in life. And so I think, and this isn't to sound negative, but I think sometimes just like processing the fact that like, oh, sometimes our jobs are boring. Mm. I, I'm a very matter of fact kind of human. And mm-hmm. so saying that has just kind of helped me sometimes. Like, when I start to feel like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this. I just want to like, you know, feel mm-hmm. joy and like feel good. And I'm like, wait, actually, yeah. sometimes jobs are annoying. Like, yes. you know, <laughs> like this is, it just is what it is, but this does not take away from my purpose. And mm. this is not take away from who I, you know, yes. who I'm called to be. I love the practicality. <laughs> that is totally my approach. I very much appreciate that gut check. Okay. Last thing I just want to ask is where can everyone find you? Where can they get their book and, or your book, not their book, your book, and um, just learn more from you and follow more of your journey? I love social media. The easiest place to find me is is just on Instagram at Jamie Grace H. But um, I also have a podcast called the Jamie Grace Podcast. So there's there's that weekly YouTube videos, weekly TikTok. I wouldn't say weekly, but like, because, you know, I'm old, like I'm not, you know, Gen Z or anything. So and it's mostly just, you know, just like a lot of fun stuff there. But you can find my book, Finding Quiet at Barnes & Noble, um, Amazon, ChristianBook.com. And if you're itching for a signed copy, there's one at JamieGrace.com. But yeah, the easiest place to find all of that is Instagram at JamieGraceH. And everything I mentioned is in the link in my bio. Awesome. Jamie, thank you so much for sharing your story and providing some really great practical tips and even ways to support someone through this kind of thing, things that we could be thinking about and just so much wisdom and and so much value. So we really appreciate you and we're so thankful to have gotten to learn from you today. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was. 
so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content, and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less.